Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Better. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Now, I know that we've all felt stupid before. I know that I sure have, thinking that something's going to satisfy me and getting it and experiencing it only to find out that it doesn't really matter and it really doesn't measure up in the way that I thought it would. So that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about making sure that you and I are not stupid and that we don't go for things that we think will satisfy us and that will bring contentment. And so I want to welcome each and every one of you, however and wherever you are joining us. I want to encourage you to just check in that chat stat and just let us know who you are and where you're from. Now we're in this series called Better, and we're saying that when life offers you choices, that you should choose better. And we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. I trust that you're reading right along a chapter a week. And this week, we want to look at chapter six. And really, it's a journal of Solomon, of just his life experiences in how he has observed and experienced and looked at the uh, things that were going on around him. And so in chapter six, Solomon dives right into something we all deal with. And I call it the if only the if only disease. It's a disease that's caused by discontentment and discontentment will always be accompanied by envy. You know, it's it's easy to spot the if only disease in our life because all of us have participated in it. All of us have had to fight it. You know, if you ever find yourself saying, if only we made more money, if only my wife was more understanding, if only I didn't make that mistake, if only fill in the blank, you get the point. And it can easily invade every aspect of our lives and it can be flat out relentless. And it doesn't stop until it has killed every aspect of joy and peace and contentment in our lives. Now here's what we have to understand. Discontentment and envy go together and they're both dangerous. And when they are combined, they're deadly they're deadly. You see, that discontentment is when I'm not satisfied with what I have. It could be a good thing, okay? Um, But what happens is most of the time we find that discontentment is not serving us well. And yet at the same time, it can be a good thing. Meaning, like, let's say that you're discontented with your marriage. And so what happens is you want to work on your marriage. You want to develop it. You want to grow it. And so it leads you to be a better spouse, to be more sensitive to one another. And that's a good thing. But discontentment, okay, can also be very, very bad and harmful to you and me, especially when it's accompanied by envy. You see, envy starts when we start to covenant something that someone else has. Maybe a life that God did not intend for you or me to have. And, and, and so that's bad. Let's go back to marriage just for a second, okay? Comparing our spouses to other people is a bad thing, okay? That's where it gets deadly in our life, of where I'm saying, I wish my wife was more like so-and-so, or I wish my husband was more like so-and-so. And so that's a bad thing when you begin to mix it with envy and comparing. Now, we live in a day and age that gives us incredible opportunities for discontentment and envy ever before. 
because we have social media, right? And so we post things and we see things and and we look at that and we think, oh, isn't that great? I wish I could have that. I wish I could have that experience. I wish I could go there. And so what happens is there's great opportunity for you and I to be able to experience discontentment and even envy and its deadly force. You see, we've kind of bought into a, 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 a half truth and that is this, prosperity and blessing is always a sign of God's favor, right? Isn't that what we think? And adversity when it comes, it's seen as not having God's favor in our life. And, and yet what we have to realize is that's not always true. It's just not always true. You know, sometimes prosperity is a burden and it can crush us. And sometimes adversity is something that causes you and I to grow and develop and to be that man, that woman, that person that God has called you and I to be. And so we have to be very, very careful when we're looking at adversity or we're looking at prosperity. Now let's take a look at what Solomon has to say. He says this, there is another serious tragedy I have seen under the sun and it weighs heavily on humanity. Wow. God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything they could ever want, but then he doesn't give them the chance to enjoy these things. They die and someone else, even a stranger, he says, ends up enjoying their wealth. This is meaningless, a sickening tragedy. That's incredible. He says they die and somebody else enjoys their wealth. And he says this is meaningless. You see, we live in a day and age of where prosperity and blessing, again, is a sign of God and that adversity is a bad thing. And Solomon is reminding you and me once again that prosperity is not always a good thing. It can be, but it's not always a good thing. And that adversity isn't always a bad thing. Now, I know that you and I have a hard time believing that because if we were asked, would you rather be prosperous or experience adversity, we'd say, well, I'd rather be prosperous. But we have to understand that he is coming from experience and wisdom and knowledge. And so let me ask you, how many of us know people who are doing very, very, very well in life, but they're not enjoying life? They're just not enjoying life. They're not enjoying their marriage. They're not enjoying relationships. Life isn't fulfilling. It's not fun. It's not fruitful. And it causes us to wonder if living a normal life sometimes with normal friends is a better option because a life of prosperity can be crushing. It can be hard. You see, Solomon is at the top. He's not at the bottom. He's at the very top of life. And he is saying, I know it's not fun where you are, but it's not all that fun for where I'm at either. And so why are you trying so hard to get where I am? Because where I am, there's no guarantee for contentment. Now, again, it's hard for you and I to swallow that. It's hard for you and I to believe that because you and I get into the if only disease. If only I had this and if only this would happen, then I would be content. I would be much happier. But there are people today who are wanting to simplify their life downsize where well, there's another group of people who are wanting to move to a whole nother level and experience something that they never have. And so he's saying to you and I that adversity is not always bad and prosperity is not always good. 
Now he continues with this. And he says, a man might have a hundred children and live to be very old. But if he finds no satisfaction in life and doesn't get a decent burial, think of that. It would have been better for him to be born dead, to be a stillborn. His birth would have been meaningless and he would have ended in darkness. He wouldn't even have had a name and he would not even had seen the sun or known of his existence. Yet he would have had more peace, Solomon says, than in growing up to be an unhappy man. He might live a thousand years twice over, but still not find, there's our word, contentment. And since he must die like everyone else, well, he says, what's the use? You see, Solomon is a realist. He's bringing us back to reality and most of us don't like to live there. And so he's asking some uncomfortable questions for you and for me. And, and, and he's saying, have you ever thought about your funeral? Have you? You ever thought who's going to be there? I mean, you know a whole lot of people and a whole lot of people know you. The question is, okay, and I've done a lot of funerals, okay? The question is, will they give you an hour? Will they show up at your funeral? And if they do show up, what will they say? You see, again, Solomon is later in his years and he's thinking, you know, I, I don't know what is going to happen at my funeral. I don't know who's going to be there. Now, he had 700 wives. He had 300 concubines, okay? He's saying, I don't know who's going to show up at my funeral, and I definitely don't know what they're going to say, so I'm not for sure if we're going to have an open mic at the funeral. And what he's saying is, or suggesting, is, is it really worth all the trouble? Is it really worth all the trouble in life that we go through with the job? with the relationships, with having a certain lifestyle, with the suffering, with the health issues. He's basically saying, you know, why am I fighting all of this? And, and, and so he's bringing us back to reality. Now, what I want to say to us today is this. If you stay in that dark place and you become cynical, you know what? It could move you to have suicidal thoughts and you don't want to go there. And yet, if you never ask these type of questions, is it worth living with all the hassles and all the problems? If you never ask those questions, you know what happens? You end up living a very shallow life. So let me ask you a question today. Are you in a good place? Or are you in a dark place? Have you asked yourself some questions? Like, is it worth the investment? Because we all have these. You know, some of us might say, you know what, Dwight, I worked hard for that marriage. I did everything in my power to keep the marriage together. And guess what? In the end, I lost it. I worked hard at that job. I did everything that they wanted me to do. I gave overtime. I did all of that. And guess what? It didn't work out. I lost it. And so what happens is maybe you begin to ask the question, Am I trying to do the impossible and it's just not going to happen? It's just not going to come together? If so, why try? And that can lead you and that can lead me to a dark place of where we're wondering if life is even worth living. And if you don't know and you can't find your way out, 
That's a horrible thing. You see, the number one drug in America today is antidepressant. And the reason I believe for that in many cases is people don't like where they are in life. They feel like they're failing. They feel like there's more to life. They're stressed out, even if they are experiencing prosperity, because they're saying, can I keep it up? And, and what's going to happen if things change? And we all can find ourselves in a very dark place. And Solomon is saying to you, and he's saying to me, and he's saying, this is what I've learned as a teacher. You got to ask the hard questions, especially when you feel like you're not making progress and nothing is changing and you feel like nothing is going your way. You see, when you feel like nothing is changing and nothing is going your way, you know what? It can become very, very dark. And so Solomon gives us some things to think through so that you and I can have the ability and the potential and the opportunity to find help and hope and healing. And he's saying to you and I, I've been there. I know what it's like to be in a dark place. I know what it's like to, to prosper and yet at the same time feel so empty inside. And he says, I want to help you. He says, let me explain to you what works and what doesn't work. I've written it down. Now, this is so important because we have to understand what works and what doesn't work because when you're prescribing medicine, okay, when a doctor does this for his or her patients, okay, it is important that they make sure that they give the right medicine to be used for the right situation. You see, you don't use heartburn medicine if you have a headache, right? It's important to know whether or not the medicine that you're taking is the right medicine or the wrong medicine. It doesn't do you any good, it doesn't do me any good if we take the wrong medicine for a sickness that it wasn't meant for. And so if you're wanting the cure for the sickness of discontentment and envy, you need to know what doesn't help. And guess what? Solomon gives it to you and me. So let's take a look at some things that Solomon says to you and I. The first thing he would say is this, discontentment is not cured by money. It's not cured by money. He's going to say, I know you think it will, but it won't. Look what he writes. He says, all people spend their lives scratching for food, but they never seem to have enough. Have you been there? Have you been there? You know, if only I had more money, I would give more. If only I made a certain amount of money, I would be more generous. If only I could do this, I would have margin in my life. And what happens is discontentment always keeps us living in a future that we'll never know. And so what happens is what I would say to you, and I think Solomon would say to you as well, if you're not generous now, you won't be generous then, okay? And so what he's saying is discontentment will not be cured by money. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to work and do well. God created you and I to work. We're created in his image. But when work becomes the purpose of your life, okay, and, and, and the bills constantly push you to work more and more and more and more and more, it can, it can come to a point of where you're pushing the most important things out of your life. And so what Solomon would say to you and me is this, working hard is a good thing, but it always is not the answer for discontentment. You see, working hard is a good thing, but it doesn't always lead to a contented life. Making money is a good thing. Matter of fact, I want you to make all the money that you can and be generous with it. 
but it doesn't always lead to a contented life. That's why some of the hardest working people and some of the richest people that you know are unhappy. You know anyone? And so he would say that discontentment is not cured by money. Then he goes on to say this. He says, discontentment is not cured by intellect either. You know, have you been there? If I just had more knowledge, if I was just smarter, okay, I would be more contented because then I could solve all the problems around me. And Solomon, again, you know what? He's bringing us back to reality. He's asking a very uncomfortable question. And here's what he says. He says, so are wise people better off? Are wise people really better off than fools? Now, who's the wise person? The wise person is the one who follows God's ways. The fool is the one who follows the ways of the world. And you would think that those who live God's way should be better off than those who's living the way of the world. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? This isn't heaven. You know, Scripture tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Now, granted, wisdom is better, and I would want you to choose wisdom over being foolish, okay? So be sure that wisdom is better, but it doesn't always lead to a contented life. Getting more knowledge, okay, we've learned sometimes just increases your sorrow. That's why some of the people who are the smartest and the brightest are still unhappy, are still unhappy because discontentment is not cured by gaining more knowledge and more wisdom. Here's the third thing he would say. He would say discontentment is not cured by popularity by popularity. You know, he says this, he says, do poor people gain anything by being wise and knowing how to act in front of others? You know, you know how to act so that you can connect and so that what happens is you can get people to like you. He's talking about relationships here. He's saying, you know, being popular is not the cure for discontentment. All right. You know, and we live in a social media day of where what happens is we're on Facebook and we're, we're tweeting and we're doing all of these things. And you know what we're saying? How many people are following me? How many likes do I have? And we think that if we can just get enough people following us and if we can just get enough likes, that somehow we'll be able to experience contentment. But what I would say to us today, and I think you would agree with me, being like is an epidemic today. The problem is that when you're addicted to being liked, you will be tempted to put on a false front. And so you will post things that's really not true about you. You see, you, you buy into the lie. If I was just more popular, I would be more content. And Solomon would probably say, not, okay? Now, I realize that some of us are more relational than others. And for some, it's more difficult and hard to relate to other people. But what I would say is this, being well-connected or, or, or having a well-supplied uh, uh, network and being popular doesn't eliminate the hurt of relationships. Being well-liked and popular doesn't always lead to a contented life. That's why you and I, okay, we know that some of the nicest people are not happy. Some of the nicest people that you know are not contented. They're discontented. And so he would say discontentment, okay, is not cured by being popular. And then he gives us 
this final one. He says that discontentment is not cured by planning, by planning. And this is how this goes in our life, okay? I'm just gonna get organized. You know, I'm gonna get out of this mess and, and, and I'm, I'm gonna get things in order and I'm gonna become an organized genius. And I'm not gonna live in this discouraged, depressed, defeated lifestyle that I have. I'm gonna make progress. I'm gonna make changes. I'm gonna do some things different here. And so what happens is we think that being organized is gonna be the cure for contentment. And he would say it's not. Here's what he says. He says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Wow, is that a word? Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's like what? Here's his word, chasing the wind. Now, it's good to have a plan, okay? It's good to have a plan. And I, I trust that you do have plans. But the problem with planning is that you're always dreaming. And when you're always dreaming, it can create discontentment with what you have right here and now. And I, you, we can become so focused on the future that we are not present in the now. And so guess what happens? When we're not present in the now, we miss out on opportunities that God has for us. We miss out on people right before us. And so what happens if we're not careful, we think, well, you know what? I'm just gonna get really organized. I'm gonna plan better. And this is gonna bring the level of contentment in my life that I want. What happens sometimes if we're not careful, we can live in the past with regrets and we can live in the future with a sense of anxiousness and we never live in the present with joy and gratitude. Now, here's what you need to know. If you know anything about me, I'm a visionary, man. I love thinking about the future. I love planning. I love dreaming big, okay? I love that. I love that. That's in my DNA. That's in my bones. But when we live with the thinking that whenever we get there, we will be happy, that whenever I have this, I'll be contented, we buy into a lie that is destructive and that will lead you and I down a dark path. You know, it's kind of like the single person saying, when I get married, I'll be happy. Or the married person saying, when I have kids, I'll be happy. Or the person who says, you know what, when I find just the right job, I will be content. Or when we get that house, you know what, I'll be happy. You know, and what happens is we become relentless for more and more and more. And here's what Solomon would say. It's like chasing the wind. Because he would say, some of the most driven visionary people are unhappy. And so what Solomon does is he points us right away to, to the cure. And he would say this, discontentment is cured by embracing God's destiny for you. By embracing God's destiny for you. Here's what he writes. Everything has already been decided. It was known long ago what each person would be. So there is no use arguing with God about your destiny. You see, Solomon's father was David, and it lived out true in his life. David was promised by God at the age of maybe 14 or 15 that he would be the king over all of, of Israel. But you know what? It wasn't fulfilled until he was 30 years old. And so what happens is many times we might know our purpose, but it may not be fulfilled for a while. So that's why we have to embrace 
God's destiny for us. You see, in David's life, there was a lot of stuff that needed to happen between God's promise to David and God's fulfillment of that promise. And so it's so important for you and I to know that God knows. He's not surprised. He's not caught off guard. Every day, every day, he's calling you and I to trust him more than the day before and being able to say, God, I know you're good. I know you're great. I know you're generous. And I know that you're going to fulfill your calling, your plan in my life. You see, listen, you want me to tell you what God's will is? It's exactly what you would do if you knew it and understood it. And so we have to be able to embrace God's calling and allow him to speak to us. Solomon goes on to say this, the more words you speak, the less they mean. So what good are they? He's basically saying, don't argue with God. Don't get in an argument with God. Embrace his destiny. And embracing his destiny, guess what you'll find? Contentment, because it leads us to the second thing, and that is you can trust God. Trust him to lead you, guide you, provide for you, that he knows what he's doing. He's the one who can see around the corner. He's the one who can see over the hill. He's the one who can lead you through the darkest of times because he loves you and he only wants the best for you. So what's the cure? What's the cure for discontentment? It's to embrace God's destiny for you, the life that he has for you. And it is to trust him through all the ups and downs, just like David did, Solomon's father. And then God will bring you to that point. You know, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. He says, for I have learned how to be content, whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. And then he says this, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. You see, it's something that you and I learn. It's something that you and I develop in our lives. And then he wraps up with this, Paul does. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. It's Christ, we're going back to Christ again. And here's what we've been saying all throughout this series on better. Jesus makes life better and he makes us better at life. Learning how to be content is one of the greatest treasures we could ever discover in life. You see, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And by the way, if it is, their water bill is higher, okay? So don't spend your life looking past where God has you right now. Embrace his destiny for you and trust him. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for Solomon. We thank you that we can look at his life and his, his example, and that we can take our cues from him. And so God, help us to understand that it's not, it's not money, it's, it's not planning, okay? It's not popularity. It's none of those things that's ultimately going to bring us contentment, though there's nothing wrong with those things. It's embracing your destiny for us. It's trusting you and believing you that you only desire that which is good for us. So I pray for each of us. For some of us today, that first step is to trust you as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life, and then to be able to walk in the destiny that you have for us. For others of us, it's for us to be reminded that you're good, you're great, and you're generous, and you only desire what is best. 
And so God, we thank you for who you are and that you are a God who's trustworthy and you have proved it over and over again. And it's in Jesus' name we give thanks, amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media. Download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through Google Play or the App Store, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.